Hey, welcome to the Right Side Up Podcast. My name is Mark Purcell. I am a contractor and a flipper. I'm Chris Cates. I'm a wholesaler slash flipper and companies in Integrity Property Solutions. And we are here today to talk vulnerably about our experience um, with buying and budgeting for rehabs, uh, excuse me, buying houses, budgeting for rehabs. When I, when I first started the investment, in the investment realm, I thought, oh, I got this. I'm a contractor. I can just slash my prices and get stuff done for super cheap. I'm going to impress everybody on how effective and cheap I am. And so it's been almost a year and I'm in a different place now. Uh, that, that system didn't work for me. I had this, uh, I think a lot of people have this and I, for some, for some reason I thought being a contractor, I am impervious to new investor, um, shortcomings. I had this fantasy world of how cheap I could get things done. And I was thinking if I had my tool bags on with my hourly people, I could get it done for this much. And I applied that to projects across the board that turns out to not be a reliable system. I've, I've discovered that going cheap with um, with support, with help, with getting stuff done is actually more costly. Like I could pay someone maybe fifty percent or two or hundred percent more for the labor price, but they're three times easier to deal with, and they take less time and less energy. So that so paying a little extra, I've realized it costs less. It might look a little more expensive on paper, but you have a lot more life expectancy at the end of your project. Um, so I, I kind of called it uh, fantasy bidding, kind of like a fantasy football thing. It was, it, it took me a while to, to get through that. Uh, I was surprised about the, the difficult transition because being a contractor, I've always worked with people's budgets. And when something comes up, there's a change made, there's an addendum signed and the budget expands and I applied that same principle to my personal budgets on flips and I was as the contractor I was signing addendums and as the owner I was approving them but there wasn't any extra budget to go around so I would be pulling from the potential equity I was making and in the case of our first flip we made five thousand um, dollars so I pulled a little too much out of that account and another shortfall that I fell into was the the bandwidth it was like the ego problem oh i forgot a system i can do this many projects at the same time yet i was spending let's say on average 500 to a thousand dollars a day on those projects um sixty thousand dollar project that's a long rehab and i was spending a lot of money uh in the borrowing or in the the paying the paying for the hard money so it turns out doing less, and this is for me, this has been my transition, doing less faster makes more money and it costs less money. Well, you mentioned before, uh, what would you call it? Fantasy bidding? Fantasy bidding. <laughs> is what you said. And I think when you first get into, I guess you call it the game, um, there's an extent to which you, you just, you, you, you don't know what you don't know and you just end up, yeah, I mean, you don't realize where your numbers have to be at. And that makes it all the more important to be leaning on other people when you're in that game and, and 
that are more seasoned, that have been there, that have done that. Um, there are a whole host of properties I came across that I would have put under contract and I would have, it would have just been a huge headache and it wouldn't have gone the right direction because the numbers weren't there. But I had someone to rely on and bounce properties off of and team up with um, and, and really hone where things are at. And uh, you've had that a lot too, which has helped you a lot um, in what you've been doing as well. And, you know, I'm just thinking of like, you know, we, we, it's so easy in your, in your mind when you're running numbers and stuff to think about the, the most positive outcome instead of the realistic outcome and, and really distinguish that like, well, yeah, we could get 10 grand more on the market though, because look, that home sold. Um, he's like, well, it's, what about the other three that are comped at, you know, six bucks a foot lower um that you're not taking into consideration here um and so like it, you know I've, i'm working with you know a, a, another wholesaler right now and he has he, he, there's one property that he evaluated recently um and sent over to me and he's like yeah the property's at like um 225 arv doesn't need any work and you know they'd give it to us for 205 it sounds like a deal <laughs> and i was like well ouch and, and this is what you know i i was kind of in a similar situation when i first started too and it's like no like all that money gets eaten up just through the hard money alone and then you have all the you know your double your closing on the in sale and the out sale you have the realtor fees on both ends and you're I mean, you're hammered if you, so if you buy if you that had deal. that much cash, <laughs> even if you had that much cash, like just the processing of the sale alone would eat that up, right? Oh, the, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you're looking at about 3% uh, for realtor fees, 3% each, and then 3% closing costs, easy. Um, so, so off the top of your head, just to like, so we can walk away with a number, if it was at... ARV was two twenty five, and there was zero work needed, and you're borrowing hard money. Like you would need to get it at like one seventy to make ten grand or something like that. Um, so, in in order to not run the math um, in a nitty gritty fashion, um, the one formula that um, was relayed to me when I first started was you want to get that buy at seventy five percent of the after repair value. Um, Anything below that, if you're wholesaling, that's money to you um, because you want to be able to deliver it to an investor at 75% after repair value, which kind of accounts for um, if they're um, out selling, it accounts for uh, about 10% profit. Um, or if they're doing a cash out refi, it's um, or doing a refi, they have that, that, you know, decent equity position there to not expel money. But then you also got to account for the repairs. You got to subtract the repairs after that 75% too. Um, so and, if I'm a flipper and I want to count on the ARV being 225, 225 times 0.7 is 157 and a half thousand. So minus whatever the repairs are, it's, it's low. It's lower than, yeah, <laughs> I've seen it. Many times, you've seen it many times, and I still am surprised. Like, whoa, that's that. It has to go low. 
Right, exactly. And then you, you, you probably want to start, you know, from a wholesale perspective, when you're talking to a seller, you want to anchor a little bit lower than yeah, that yeah. um you may you may want to start at you know if you know there are 10 grand of repairs you may want to start at 50 percent, maybe even a little bit less and see if they're they're willing to you know play ball and you know there's certain ways to do it but the reality is it's it's easy very easy to get in over your head um and compromise if if you don't have systems and if you don't if you're not listening, you know, to, to other people and particularly when you're really in the game for sure. So yeah. It's, and it's, and it's no fault or no shame in getting fired up. We're kind of going off the topic, but it's okay. Like I got a call from a wholesaler, new wholesaler, and he was pretty excited. Um, he had found a three one on John's Island with an acre of land. And he said the seller wanted it for three twenty five, and it needed some work, needed some serious work. And, I know that that wouldn't even sell for that much. Oh, totally, wow. Totally repaired. So I kind of told him about some comps that I knew about in that area and I kind of talked him down. It's like, but, I, and me vetting it through the phone call is kind of new. Like when people text me, hey, you want to go look at a property? I used to just jump. Yeah, let's go check it out. I'm thinking, I'm investing. I'm, I'm doing this stuff. It's so cool. But then after four or five of those wasted trips, you're like, maybe I should gain some information. So it's normal and natural to get excited about something and it's it's good to, I guess, to try to kill the deal. Um, and that kind of ties back into the budgeting. What I wanted to do was really impress myself and make it work and get deals and get deal flow. And I was like, if I just have a deal, something's happening. And that's true, stuff happened and it's good, but it's not like a sustainable course. And I think there's maybe something to that to get yourself a deal, even if it's not the greatest deal, just to get something under your belt, some kind of ownership or depreciation or something. That's very cool. But you can't build a business that way. Um, yeah. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, okay, so try to kill the deal. Um, what I used to do was, oh, the ARV will probably be a little higher and the rehab's probably gonna be a little lower. I would count on a low rehab and I would say, I'm going to do it really fast. So the deal would, there's produce. 20 grand right there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that shows that the deal is going to make 30 and then I'm like, well, 35. And then I present that to my partner or whatever. But what the healthy way to do it is, or the more mature way, the way I'm adopting now is try to kill that deal. Say, look, what if the renovation is actually 50? What if the ARV is actually just 160? Well, and it takes us six, no, let's say seven months. We'll walk away with $5,000. Is this deal, or do we want to go forward? And a pair of people might say, yeah, we want to go forward because we think that these, we're trying to kill the deal so much it makes it look really bad, but we think there's still some back-end value if we come out better. So we know the risk. We're going to choose to go forward or not based on knowing that risk. And that's just, that's just huge. Try to kill that deal even as hard as it is to not try to glamorize it because I've glamorized deals and it hasn't worked. So kind of trial and error. Yeah. And that translates directly into wholesaling too, from an extreme perspective, because I, I'm sure as a flipper, you're probably not analyzing. I mean, you're analyzing a bunch of deals, but you're probably not analyzing nearly as much as someone who's talking direct to owners, you know, that that's all day, every day. Um, and it's easy to, it can be easy to compromise and assume a best case scenario, particularly with when you're virtual wholesaling, putting offers in. A majority of my profit, 
uh, properties offers have been without looking at the property, um, mostly because I, I, I don't um, believe in full commitment from an owner until I see a signature, <laughs> regardless with everything I've been through. But um, that being said, when you get that virtual estimate, you know, based off the mouth of the homeowner, it's easy to, you know, to, to compromise certain situations instead of assuming um, this, I wouldn't say the worst case scenario, but the safe case scenario um, with the condition of the home and stuff. And so you can get a good picture of things um, if you're, you know, open-minded to the reality of the repair costs and everything. And that's again where um, systems are so important because systems override emotion and you wanting a deal or or because you're you're hungry, right? You you want to deal. You want to keep moving forward. You want you want to uh, succeed. But um, a system protects that emotional appeal. Um, but like a system for um, and a formula for cost repairs, uh, system formula for the buy and all of that. Um, and that's that's very healthy. In my opinion, a very healthy approach to, to formulate all that as well, instead of kind of, you know, feeling out each property and going by feel because you can easily get in trouble. Yeah, I like I like the systems. For me, I've I've wanted to find something where I can just go off of a random square footage average rehab cost. Like let's say that your average uh, crappy. Two one or three one twelve hundred square foot home needs thirty thousand. Like you could figure something out like that. Uh, so, but I don't I don't want to rely on that because I haven't. That doesn't make sense to me. Everything's always so different. Um, so for me, my system with the estimating is, is I just I have a long list of maybe two hundred things that I should think through. Um, like even just like, does it smell bad? You know, I'll just have like little notes in in my Excel sheet. It's just right there. And I refer to it as I make my sell sheet and then I just delete it away so I can share it with, with partners. Yeah. So that's kind of, I think for me, it's it's a checklist in that, uh, in the rehabs. It is so different. And I've also learned to take a video and just sit there and watch it. Instead of, for me, if I take pictures, I miss stuff. Yeah, or if definitely. I don't take pictures, by the time I get home, that house is, needs very little repairs, you know? Yeah. And I underestimate it in a big way. And that's that's why I take videos on every one of my properties that you know I put under contract because a video is, it paints a completely different story than a picture does and it actually gives you a feel of you know being like for in your case being back in that property and you're able to you know kind of chew things over a little better and stuff. I think that's a definitely a healthy thing to do as well. Yeah, I, I'm uh, Dusty Keith said and i'm sure other people have said the best sometimes the best deal you get all year is the one you don't buy and that just goes back to that try to kill the deal idea like back in cautiously um and i've, I've run in head first thinking it was all gonna work out and you know it doesn't um yeah it's funny and uh, it's there's there's one that um you know, just the, I like what what you said from Dusty. Best deal of the year is one you don't buy because there's one that um, was killed about a thousand times, and I still ended up putting it under contract. 
Um, my VA team tried to kill the deal. They said, "Oh, it's it's a new um, condo. It's a new. It's it's in a you know it's an oceanfront condo. You you wouldn't be interested in it." Um, I listened to the phone call myself because we record them, and you know it was, it was time where I was pretty hungry for a deal as well. So I figured, you know what? Forget it. I'll, I'll just call them back and we'll see what we got. Um, and I, you know, ran all the numbers. Um, I mean, it, it was a crazy price point compared to what we typically run through. Um, and developed the cap rate, got everything situated. And, you know, it's an Airbnb. It turns out it's an Airbnb cash cow. It grosses um, over $80,000 a year, I believe. Um, and so they're actually... You know, I think it's a cap rate. If you self-manage, it's like a um, almost a thirteen percent cap rate. I think, which is crazy. Can you explain and, cap rate? Um, so a, a cap rate is basically your your net operating costs, uh, or or your net um, your net proceeds um, per year divided into the total cost of the uh, unit um, and that you that gives you a percentage so you subtract everything that's included in your operating costs um, whether it's you know for that condo there's two HOAs that I had to include in wow. crazy HOA costs management costs um, which I think it was at eight percent with management and then um, you know, there's all the utilities, there's, um, you know, upkeep and cleanings and, and all that that you got to factor in. And then what's that end amount? And so once I figured that in, basically where I was getting at was, you know, I, I figure out, I try to figure out every reason to kill that deal before it actually became a deal. And, you know, in the end, I actually even, you know, when I ran comps, there's, there's numbers that were 150 grand higher for recently sold um, condos and this one was four year renovated and so it was like there's no reason why I should not buy this deal or get this under contract so it actually ended up working out and it's that's kind of goes hand in hand with what you're saying sometimes some of the best deals you can buy all year are the ones that you aren't you know looking to buy so That's awesome. I think it's cool that you you kept digging in, and you, you you kept digging in, and you didn't try to make I, you tried to make it happen, but you didn't. You kept digging in, and it ended up being well vetted and working out. Like that's a good example. Sometimes we dig in, and we just try to make something happen when it shouldn't. Right. That's a good story. Yeah, it's, it's definitely two different dispositions, and and I've come at it both ways for sure. Trying to trying to squeeze something out of something that's not there. Um, so I want to go over a little tip on budgeting and it's just, if you use, I think most people use a spreadsheet or if you just use a piece of paper, um, let's say you've got five items, you know, concrete, framing, drywall, plumbing, electrical, and roofing, you know, in your spreadsheet or on your piece of paper, you budget, let's say 2000 for concrete, 3000 for framing, electrical, and plumbing are 5,000 and the roof is 5,000. When you get the project or if you know you're getting that house, 
get active on getting people to commit, get people out to give bids. And then let's say the plumbing comes in at 6,000 and electrical comes in, comes in at 4,500. Start plugging those numbers in and try to do everything you can to fill up the actual column. So you've got your actual number commitments next to, at least for the labor, you can, you can get this dialed in or for the overall cost. Um, you get your actual numbers dialed in and it kind of gives you a future view. Well, it does give you an exact future view except for changes you don't foresee of what your, where your budget will be at. So instead of just plotting forward and then if something goes over budget, what I, what I did was, oh, this is costing a little more. It's okay, we'll make it up. But when I've got the actual column running or if you're using QuickBooks, you can make a bill and date it out far so you can show up in your approval system or your accrual report. You can look exactly in the future and see what's happening. And that will tell you, no, I, I can't pay this guy the extra bit and it would be easier. I have to work harder and get another number or do it myself or something. Um, I wish I could show that, but I don't have the capacity to do that. So hopefully that explanation is based on your bid. As soon as you know, you've got the house get after getting prices and that, that would be like the first priority. So you're basically building your actual budget. Um, that's my tidbit that has saved me a ton of headache. Um, and I don't know if it's translatory, but <clears throat> so I'm in the pre-construction world for commercial construction. Sometimes we have $200 million bids. And so a lot of times, you know, after we lock in that project, it's also opportunity. You know, we have our numbers that we've flown out there and we've vetted and stuff. But there's also after you lock that in, there's opportunity for buy there. And so you, you might be able to... Um, you know, for HVAC replacement, you, you might have a few different companies you can shop that are repeatable companies. And because of um, uh, their their workflow and schedule, one company might be double the price of another company, whereas you can get a better buy off another company that's does a perfectly good job. And so I don't know, does that translate at all to rehab as well? Um, yeah, absolutely. And if you got to pay a little extra, it just tells you you have to shrink in other areas. Maybe right. you go to Habitat for Humanity or do it yourself or shop harder or eliminate that from the budget. And it's it's funny. It was like the light came on for me when I was being, uh, I don't want to be silly and say reprimanded by <laughs> Kelly Garrett saying, you've got to stick to your budget. And mm -hmm. I was thinking, no, I've got to stick to what makes the house nice. The budget, the budget is just my open door, <laughs> my excuse to do what I need to do. And it was a, it was a hard transition for me. Um, hopefully, I think I might have been spoiled being a, a working as a contractor and having, you know, homeowners approve changes because that's your, what they want. Your inner Joanna Gaines kept coming up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, right on. So yeah, I mean, sticking to the budget um, because. And, and what I, what I tell people that I work with is like, you don't work for me. We all work for the house and the budget tells us what we're doing with the house and everything comes out, comes out of there. Yeah. That's a healthy way to look at it for sure. Because the, the house may be cute, but you're taking it out of the being a deal category. And the point, the reason we're doing this is to come out in the end, making some money. Is there, um, so I, one, one recent thing I, I, I told myself for every deal, um, that I get under contract is to wait 48 hours before I make any decision. 
of what I'm doing with it <laughs> and just sit on it because sometimes I have a preconceived idea and I can jump it one direction or the other and I realize there's, you know, there's a much, you know, with investing, there's so many different routes and so many different things you can do with the property. And so you want to evaluate those things and take your time. Would you say that kind of, that could kind of translate to like, like quotes and stuff like that and, and going different directions like maybe that it would be healthy to have like a 24 hour rule or a 48 hour rule because like you could get a quote from a <clears throat> and i just keep going back to it but a ac contractor drywall contractor for a certain amount and it's 1500 over budget but you're tired at the end of the day and you're looking at that quote and you're like this would just be an easy button mm. i'm just gonna say yes Instead of just like, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. I think also having a measure of control, like a partner you have to report to, even if it's your cat, you know what I mean? Like you have yeah. to plug that in and then talk about the bottom line, you know? Yeah. Um, I've done a lot of those. I'm overwhelmed, so sure, do it. Didn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's easy to do that. Make it like kind of an emotional decision or a tired decision. And so I think that's, that's definitely healthy too, because you, I mean, you have a lot of ups and downs throughout a day and even a week. And so sitting on something isn't necessarily a bad thing either if you're doing it to, to make the best decision, you know? Yeah, and that's true. And, and when I, like, when I get a house, I have an idea, but until I get there with Sarah or someone else on the team, it's like, it's just all up in the air. Like we have a budget, we have a timeline. Let's see the what can we do, and that's kind of that's really fun actually. Um, like recently, uh, we got a house and it's a three one. We're gonna make it a three two, and we're turning one bedroom, it's turning it in like the master suite area, and it's got this interesting room between the garage and the house. And I've probably I have spent four hours with two separate groups of people trying to figure out how to crack the code to make it a four two. It's not gonna happen, <laughs> and it's okay. It's gonna be a cool little niche house with a super cool sitting area between the garage and the house. And and that process is fun. And I, I, I would tie that into your 24 hour rule of like, once you get a deal, open your mind back up and yeah. reassess and get, get other people in there. Definitely, you know? 110%. Cause there's always different ways to look at things. And there's, a, I mean, you can even, you know, if you, if you have that, you know, person to bounce things off of as well, it's, it's, it's always all, very healthy to get other opinions on things too. There's this principle called start with the end in mind. Um, uh, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People. Mm -hmm. And so taking that into either whether you get a deal under contract or if I get a house that I want to flip or burr or wholesale again, I don't know. Um, get as close as you can to the end game. So my end game, if I'm wanting to flip it, would be an experienced buyer's agent. Um, or someone who's always thinking on the investment end, like what is your best return on investment move in this area because this is what I'm seeing all the time. So I love giving the advice of a realtor and just saying, look, you guys have seen 50 houses in the last week. What sells? Like what emphasis would you put in this? And on your end, I guess you're, the closest you could get to the end buyer would be uh, like running something by me or another another potential buyer or running something by uh, another wholesaler. I mean, you tell me. 
Well, I think if I'm hearing you correctly, a lot of what I would like to do is for properties, sometimes before I even put it under contract, I get broker price opinions on it. There you go. Um, and, uh, but I always do it at some point or another with, you know, partners that I work with as well. And so I, I do that with Dan a lot too. Um, and it's very helpful because I need a check on whether I'm seeing things realistically. I want to be as realistic as possible. And then sometimes, um, you know, I don't have direct MLS access. I have all my own software too. Sometimes I'm, I'm dramatically undervaluing a property and I can lose a deal because I'm undervaluing it. Um, and that's something I don't want to do either. Like I, I don't have a lot of the uh, fresh listings or, you know, active contingent. I mean, you look on Zillow and stuff like that, but it's really not as high quality. Um, and so um, getting that professional that 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 acts in that environment um, all day every day to give you that that opinion um, based off real comps is is very helpful and kind of keeps you grounded and realistic too on things which has been very helpful for my business so yeah that's what's good about maven um, and this is kind of a, an intentional plug but it's it's all true uh, I mean, Troy is smart. Like he filled a niche that I think many people didn't know was there, and it's the investment-minded, mm-hmm. investment-focused realtor. Okay, why does that matter? I used to really underrate realtors. Like when I would see neighborhood expert on some billboard, I'm like, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's so true though. Like especially like in, in North Charleston area, like Dan and, and Troy and you know their other agents, they know what's up with those prices, and mm-hmm. they can like tell you exactly down to the five grand what's going to happen with that house it's amazing um yeah Yeah. i don't do arv i always my first step anytime somebody talks to me about a house is call dan because he's conservative and when dan says conservative arv would be this i know that's going to be on and i'm expecting secretly i'm expecting a little bit more um and he's done well for us like being conservative um and so when he gives me a conservative ARV that works, I get excited. Yeah. And I, and I looked at Dan too to, uh, to also um, tell me, since, since they're investment-minded or investment-focused, they're thinking, like when they go to a house and see something, uh, like a, a, a trend, let's say it's butcher block countertops and the apron sink or whatever, they'll, they're already thinking like, oh, I wonder what that costs to put in, rather than, oh, that's cute, you hmm. know? Um, yeah. So I, I rely heavily on... on uh, I mean, Troy and Dan. Yeah, it's it's great too because they they practice what they preach to a large extent. Like they're they're yeah, not just investors. they're not just working for investors. They are in, investors. It's um, not a marketing gimmick. You know, there's a lot of realtors that have never never personally touched a property other than their their home. They're, and it that kind of. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, but that does change your experience level just with investors as well. Um, and so it's definitely valuable to have people like uh, Troy and Dan and Maven Realty team. I wish so, I knew the rest of the folks there better. Russ Scheider, Tom, <laughs> yeah. who else? Yeah. We need to get better on their names. <clears throat> um, another thing too is I sometimes I think, well, why would they pass something on? It's because everybody has their own bandwidth measurement right like Dan or, or anyone else working there cannot take everything on and 
they're a great resource, you know, and some and and they put their clients first sometimes. Like I know that if, if these guys know somebody's looking for something and they've been diligent looking after it, they keep that in mind and pass it on. Because really, as they pass the deal on, they're making like what fifteen more deals in their lifetime with that person. They're not losing out. So um, while we're on the plug momentum, can you give a little like preemptive uh, shout out about Clear Vision Coaching and like what that's how that's impacted you? Yeah, I think, um, so clear vision coaching, uh, it's always important. Like I, I have coaches in different areas of my whole life. Um, and I've realized how valuable that is for every area of your life. Um, so I, I mean, I, I have a nutrition coach, I have a counselor, I have a, you know, I, I have a, um, so, and I follow a, you know, I, I have, not really a coach for exercise but you know a group that i i train with and stuff um and then clear vision coaching is just awesome because you know it's it's coaching in the investment world and, and they help you succeed and that's their their goal and they want the best for you and they're willing to put in the work to make that happen um and so it's, it's valuable you you want those people and those players in every area of your life and to be able to have that in the investment world is is definitely uh, something I highly recommend it doesn't have to be clear vision coaching it'd be some something entirely different clear vision clear vision coaching works well for me um, interacting with Kelly Dusty and Russ um, it's it's just uh, pretty valuable from a local you know they're awesome players in the Charleston area and just from a local investing um, standpoint, it's it's really awesome just to have their um, expertise, their input, and just continue to kind of learn and bounce things off them, off them, and just. Do you have a, a quick paid for coaching story? <clears throat> paid for coaching story. Like in quotes, I have a few paid for coaching stories. Like you know the the year amount that I paid for coaching number of times I've paid for just with one conversation with one of the coaches, you know, on what position to take on a deal, whether to take the deal or not, whether to accept this offer or not. Shoot. If I, if I had that, um, I'd have to date back years, uh, I'd have to date back to my first, my first coach through a personal development book I read, but <laughs> the numbers are, uh, you know they're there I, I haven't i haven't been able to direct, directly attribute anything but yes it 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 pays for itself for sure to have to have a coach like it's you know it it's it's a buy-in to to tell them and to tell you know whoever you're working with that yes you're serious you're going to put in that time and it's and it's a transaction thing where when you kind of put money into something um, you have a different level of focus, a different level of heart and attention towards that thing because you, you kind of have that, not really pain receptor, but that I am personally investing myself in this. And um, that's, that's, I mean, that's where the payment for something um, comes in. And yes, it produces a, a, a great uh, return for sure. Um, and definitely no arguments on that front. Amen. You have one too, though. You you have oh, multiple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me and Sarah have gotten off the phone and been like, "We just paid for coaching with that one phone call," you know. Yeah. And just the access and the the community, you know. I, I 
I'll say the word love. I love the community I have there and the other coaching members. Like I love the masterminds of recording. It's so fun. Um, so to kind of sum up, uh, going cheap, I found out is expensive and working with, um, I get, I guess the more professional people I get to work with, I pay more money, but it's the return is twice as fast. If I'm paying $3,000 a month on a hard money loan, getting that job done in five weeks, even though I paid a little more or gave it a bunch of more time, it costs way less than paying another 15 grand because it took me another five months. Um, ego, I ran into the, my ego equaling the bandwidth, thinking I would do a lot and that didn't work out. So new, new focus for me, and I'm just saying this, verbalizing this in case someone else can pick up on it. Um, it's I'm gonna go for speed and then larger larger projects is my, my personal direction. Um, there's a lot, if I'm going for speed, there's a lot more work up front, but in the, the end game, it's like way more gratifying. Partners are happy and there's more money to be shared. And again, what Dusty said, sometimes the best deal are the ones you don't get. Uh, 24 hour rule, we're talking about let it sit, reassess, that's what I picked up from it. Um, and for me, when I get a property, it's fun to just throw out the whole plan and then start over, see what comes up. There's been a lot of neat changes or, or realizations. Um, so in closing, uh, if you wanna send us a message, it's rightsideupsc at gmail.com, rightsideupsc at gmail.com. Um, I just kind of cut that off. Did you want to share anything or no? Okay, cool. We got it, man. Um, yeah, appreciate appreciate it all. If you have any questions or comments or I want to hear more about a subject, um, send us a message. Mark Purcell with Independence Homes. Uh, integrity at integritybuyshomes.com or we have the joint email, uh, right side up, uh, sc at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, y'all, for listening. See you next time.